1: Welcome back to the DGD Podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds and Kobe Pierce. uh, The one and only will be coming here shortly. Uh, But with that being said, we've got a lot to talk about, folks. Uh, There is a historic weekend brewing uh, with regards to Georgia recruiting. Going to talk about that. Uh, Some game times are announced for the 23 season. Going to cover that as well. Also, the hot topic, I think, of uh, SEC spring uh, media days. Um, Eight or nine game schedule, big deal, big deal. As we see, the Juan Daniels right there. Juan, welcome in, sir. How are you?
2: What's going on, man? What's up, Kobe? How much? What up, Juan?
1: So, obviously, we're going to discuss the eight or nine game schedule. We're going to give our thoughts on that uh, and some more stuff here. Uh, first things first, show is brought to you by our friends over at Apotheos Roastery. I'll tell you right now, I had my coffee this morning. Oh, Good old Guatemala, single origin. Mm, chef's guess. Um, make sure to use code countdown uh, as the uh, Classic City countdown continues. Uh, 5% off your entire order uh, when you go to check out, use code countdown. Uh, also, keep in mind on days that the UGA Spike Squad posts our uh, social media campaign, you get 30% off uh, using code DGD. So you need to follow UGA Spike Squad on Twitter, Instagram. Also keep up with that right there, because on the days that they post, for that day only, 30% off of Apatia's Coffee. I think J-O-Double-G might be in heaven on those days. Just going to leave that there. Um, But first things first, let's get started. Guys, huge weekend of visits. Um, First weekend of June, we kind of know June is a big – synonymous with Georgia recruiting. What are y'all's thoughts on on this visit for this weekend?
2: Go ahead, Juan. Um, well, just like you said, I mean, this is, you know, you take a look at like, like Sammy who says, you know, he's going to get his visits over with and then he's going to make his decision. This is going to be the biggest and the best time to make uh, an impression. Um, you know, I know that there was, you know, a couple of camps this week. Uh, Jude Cascone, that's going to be a name that I'm going to continue to. That is well uh, to my that, guy right there. That, that, yeah, that is. Uh, he, You know, he was up there to camp yesterday, uh, performed very, very well. Um, you know, Coach Hartley had an opportunity to talk to him, but it's, it's his dream school. And and the reason it is because the coaches, the environment, the culture, the facilities, everything. So when these guys get an opportunity to go, I almost kind of wish, you know, it, it was the last weekend so that they could just kind of close it out. But then again, you know, it's going to be the, one of the first and they're going to set the bar. I mean, and uh, it's going to be hard to beat what Georgia has to offer for these recruits coming in. Absolutely.
1: Do I need to uh, do I need to name off some of these lists of visitors for this week? Yeah, go I ahead. Just so no all right. So June, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've got
3: just, just this weekend, though,
1: obviously. Yep. All right. So tomorrow, uh, June second, you've got Dylan Rayola on an. These are official visits, folks. Dylan Rayola, Williams uh, Waneri, Ellis Robinson, Justin Scott, Dylan Stewart, Ryan Wingo, Jared Gibson, Peyton Woodyard. Carter Nelson, which is I think a surprising name, we'll talk a little bit about here. Uh, Demello Jones, Justin Green, Joseph Phillips, and Marcus Easley. With uh, Saturday, Daniel Calhoun will also be in town as well. That is a that list is stupid, and in all the right reasons, it, it's it's silly. <laughs> How many official visits are there? And that's not including the unofficial visits, folks.
3: Yeah, I mean, you got to realize that's that's some serious top 100 talent. Like, you know, we talk about the the 247 or the ESPN 300. I mean, the names you're rattling off there are the top 100, the top 125 players in the country, not, you know, not in the region, not in the state, I mean, in the whole country in the house. So, um, you know, sprinkled in. We have a couple commits, which is always big when you can have commits there on official visits to kind of, help you recruit along because there's only so much that goes into, you know, the coach-player interaction. What really kind of drives you once you get here is that player-on-player interaction is the locker room, a locker room that you can enjoy to be in day in and day out. Are these guys you can see working out beside every day? I'm telling you, those dog days of summer, those June-Julys, Juan can tell you. Coaches are all in Bora Bora on vacation sipping out of coconuts (laughs) you're there with coach sinclair running you know in a hundred degree heat and he's telling you you know how if you keep it up you're gonna be nine and three he's gonna be looking for a new job you know them them stars you can leave them stars with you in high school when you're here you got a g on the side of your helmet that's all that matters um so it's important to to kind of interact with those guys and get that culture um kind of established and see, like, okay, these are the guys that are going to be my teammates. These are the guys that I'm going to be living with and
1: interacting with for a long time. Juan, I think Kobe brought you into this.
2: What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, uh, again, just everything about it. And, you know, I just talked about a little bit earlier with culture and environment. I see here somebody posted UGA culture and environment is the best. Anything else is Utah. Um, I don't know who that guy is, but he's a smart guy. He's
1: can neither he, confirm nor deny that that it, is
2: Juan Daniel. Yes, husband. yes. You've never seen them in this in the same place at the at, at the same time. But again, just you, you know, once these kids get there, they're gonna understand the blood, sweat, and tears that you truly put into what you're gonna do. But that offseason and then and those workouts and whatever it's gonna take to become successful and be a champion. I saw something that that Kirby put um You know, just talking about the NIL deal, you know, do do we want somebody that's coming here for NIL money or that's going to want to be a better football player, want to be a better student, want to, you know, prepare for the NFL, you know, and and I just think that that's what George is going to be doing. They're going to be sifting and they're just going to be weeding out those people that don't want to be here. And this is going to be a great opportunity for these guys to see not only their future teammates, but what it's going to be like that's their future. Who would not want to be excited to be at UGA?
3: Oh, I guarantee you, and I'll have to ask some of the guys on the team, I guarantee they have a team run and a seven-on-seven on, seven on Saturday this week to show those guys what it's like to be here. Oh, yeah. ooh, those, those used to be the worst. You yeah. get the phone call that you got to come run and work out on a Saturday morning for a bunch of 17-year-olds, you're looking around going, well, I didn't sign up for this.
2: Yeah. And you better not dog it, or you better not be a slack ass, because I'm gonna tell you right now, you will pay for it.
1: Well, and they so got the catapults absolutely- now. They got the catapult systems now, so you can't slack it. They, they oh yeah, that.
3: no, no. I mean, I'll never forget first summer run of like 2017, 2018. I guess it'd probably have been 2017. I don't remember what year he was recruiting.
1: Sounds, sounds right.
3: We were, uh, we were running in front of the recruits on a Saturday morning we didn't run two sprints and Isaiah Wilson just down on the, on the field, all, all fours just puking, you know, big man from New York came in at like three eighty five, and, and all the recruits. It's like nothing, nothing gets a recruits eyes open. Like somebody puking like that. It's like, mm, I ain't never seen
1: nothing quite like that. Well, my question is this, since y'all played and y'all did all this, right? Like, if I'm a recruit and I see that, I'm going to look at it one of two ways. This ain't for me or this is for me because I want to be the best. Uh, you know, I think that stuff right there kind of separates who wants to come here and who doesn't. Is that fair to say?
2: Well, it, it depends on – honestly, it depends on your high school. That's going to be the biggest the biggest telltale. So, you know, for, for Ashton going into Stanford, you know, when he told me about his first couple of workouts, he was like, Dad, we worked harder at Buford. Than we did uh, at, at these workouts at, at Stanford. So one of the things that a lot of people don't know is how Nick Saban determines if you're going to get redshirted, red-shed, redshirted or not. <laughs> and, and 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 what that is is, you know, they go and they take you and they run you to absolute death. And if you can survive that, that basically is saying to you that you know what, we're going to be able to use you this year. But if you can't, you know can't do that. That just basically means, number one, you're physically weak, you're mentally weak, and there's a great chance you're also spiritually weak as well, too. So, <laughs> you know, you, you take all those and combine them. So well, the, the two guys that we had that came from from Buford, I mean, they made it no problem, no issues. You know, Jake Pope, we had Isaiah Isaiah Bond. They made it with the other – but they will tell you they had some people that were dang near passing out and they didn't play a snap this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, as also, also, I just wanted to uh, shout this out real fast. Uh, since our last show, uh, Ashton had a birthday, if I'm not mistaken. So happy oh, yeah. belated birthday, officially on the DGD podcast, Ash. Even if you are in Stanford, uh, beat Utah, please. Thank you.
2: Yes, um, exactly. I, I I drove his car all the way out there, so I did a cross country from Georgia. To georgia california so i, I enjoyed he, that it's a lot of putting
1: fun. them extra miles on it man you got to get an oil change already
2: oh yeah oh yeah for sure and a car wash as soon as i got there i had to run it through the damn car wash
1: you probably got too many damn bugs and mosquitoes when you That's pass through, uh, Texas.
2: yeah yeah well exactly oh, that was man. that was the, that was the trashy part of the trip but only i was you know only in utah basically just kind of skimmed it a little bit but it was the worst part of the entire trip
3: in Utah, I, you were in Utah just enough time to pull over and piss on a cactus, exactly, and we are out of there.
2: Exactly, that was and, it. But you know what, though, that, but you get to the point where Utah doesn't even deserve your piss, so you just kind of just keep on, you know, just kind of keep driving through.
1: I, can't, I you know what, though, guys. Juan, all this, all this trash talk to Utah. You forgot our, you forgot our man Cam Rising over here. He, he, he probably has something <laughs> to, say. he probably got something to say. We haven't uh, seen
3: rudes in forever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, roots. Rude, has been on the. Is, someone hey, call, uh, roots, Rude, please get him in the chat again. Been a hiatus for a while. Yeah, absolutely. You got to get a milk carton. Get a milk carton for him. Jo double the Jo double jizzle says it stunk when one was passing through. Listen, I don't <laughs> think people. I don't think people want to hear about this trip anymore. Um, listen, let's jump this right here, folks. We talked about this historic weekend of visits. I I, I think you're going to see some huge momentum shifts. Uh, after that week, and really after June, but we're going to break this down for you as we, uh, as the month continues. Um, damn, what a shot. What a shot. Shots fired. Uh, but, no, I want to kind of move on, talk about uh, some some Georgia football news uh, relating to the team, and that was some game times that were announced. Uh, folks, it's breaking news that Georgia got a night game. Can you believe it? Since yeah. <laughs> first, first one since South Carolina in 2021, Georgia gets a night game. Here's the catch. UT Martin, six o'clock. SEC Network Plus. Uh, you got South Carolina though. South Carolina is a three thirty game on yeah. CBS. And then you obviously we know the cocktail party. That's uh, that's a three thirty CBS as well. And then the uh, Ball State is a uh, noon kickoff. So I want to get you alls thoughts on the ones that we've seen so far. What are y'all thoughts on the on the uh, kickoff times? The ones that we obviously, listen, we know Florida is always until next year going to be 330 CBS outside of that one. What do you think about the other ones? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, you know, the South Carolina game, that's going to be our first true test. Um, they're good. South Carolina is good. Um, I, I can't even hate on them. I want to, but they're good. They 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 ended off pretty, you know, pretty tough last year. Beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, having a pretty good bowl game appearance. They're having a lot of guys come back. Spencer Rattler has something to prove. Um, I, I think that uh, you know that that three thirty, our fans are going to be there. They're going to be excited. I think it'll be fun and all fun and games and you know until the kickoff, and then you know we're, we're, we need to show who we are.
3: It, I mean, you got a lot to prove, like like Juan saying, you know, they're going to roll in town with a with a. Um exclamation point at quarterback and really their question mark will be at offensive coordinator where we're going to kind of hopefully by week three have a little bit more of an understanding of what the quarterback looks like but it's going to be you know our offensive coordinator's first true sec test again you know in the red and black you know he's been he did it at auburn for a couple years he's at south carolina you know it's going to be kind of personal for him you know him and Will Muschamp, I don't think this game's ever gonna sneak by either of them. Um, you know, so yeah, this is defense. personal
2: for those guys, dude. This is yeah. personal. I mean, I that's feel, cool, still I feel,
3: paying them, still writing checks for those guys to play. I feel, to coach like,
1: I feel like I feel like there's a vibe here similar to Harlem Knights when Jack Jenkins comes out, don't take this ass whipping personally.
3: Like no, you take I, it personally. No, you I, take I feel, it all I, the way to the bank personally. I think what'll be old is like Juan just said. They are a good team. They're an improved team. You know, they're they're trending upward. But all week before this game, you're going to hear about how they dismantled Tennessee, how they beat Clemson at home, how they are on the rise. They I don't know who they play week one and week two, but they're they play just, North Carolina to
1: start the season.
3: If they beat them and Drake May Heisman hopeful Drake May though they're going to run with this narrative of is this the year they come back in the Sanford, they did it in 2019, you know. It, I can see this being a college good? game day.
2: I can see this being a college game day type. If, type if, so if they were if
1: especially to. especially with, I mean, when you take a look at, when you, when you take a look at the CBS game for one, but like if, if if, if South Carolina comes, you know, and, and just dominates UNC, listen. UNC's defense is going to be dog shit this year, folks. <laughs> they lost a ton of folks, all right? I know they got Drake May, but Drake May can't save it all, all right? So if South Carolina comes unscathed and they're 2-0 and heading into Athens in week three, Juan, I think you got a point. But at the same time, are they going to be tested too? Georgia probably won't be tested, tested, right? Like, that's just not going to happen. However, I think you can see the depth, get the experience in game and get a feel for, hey, we we talk about we talked about this all uh, all summer, right? People want to doubt us about our schedule, say they're weak, say it's weak, and all this. Kirby's going to find a way to motivate them to come out and just try to dominate for four. Go hunting, right? Go hunting for four quarters. Well, because he's going to bring up twenty nineteen. I guarantee you, Kirby all. Smart will bring up twenty nineteen
3: for sure. Because it's the first true home game you've played them since twenty nineteen. Um, just kidding, twenty twenty one. But. One of the big things is is that Beamer and Kirby don't get along. That you you want a you want a one way ticket to an ass whooping. Have Kirby <laughs> smart not like you. Ask Dan Mullen how that goes for people.
2: Oh yeah, you I know ask anybody make for her for Kirby,
3: and just be ready for the ass whooping that's coming.
1: Well, so you, if, know you know he's like, gonna you know he's gonna motivate their media because if if South Carolina is two and heading into Athens. Kobe, you brought it up perfectly. They're going to go back to last year, and, and this is this is where the media is about to have a downfall. You go to last year when they had pieces on the defense. They don't, I don't know if South Carolina and, and Shane Beamer is doing a good job recruiting that, that for that school, but the question is, if you don't you know if you don't recognize this, they lost Cam Smith, and that's a that's a first round talent in my opinion. They lose Jordan Birch goes right. That's uh, Pickens left. There's some defensive talent. They also lost Jaheim Bell while they did pick up Trey Knox. They lose Jaheim Bell. They still got some good talent there. I'm not going to knock that, but they lost Marshawn Lloyd as well. I
3: was about to say, Marshawn Lloyd's a big loss. This
1: this is an entirely different-looking USC team, right? I would never, if I was a media person. Pauls.
3: Pauls. USC Junior? Don't call them USC. They're not USC. Come on now. They're South Carolina. They're not USC.
1: I'm getting fact-checked here in real time. I love it. But no, I mean in all seriousness, though, right? People are going to do this, and it is, it's their downfall because he's going to, Kirby Smart will do this. He's a master manipulator and motivator. Where he's going to take clips and snips from every every media personality. Hey, you remember what they did? To, remember what they did to Tennessee? Oh, they beat Clemson. He's going to use that and fire them up. And, and, and you're setting, if you're a media personality, you are setting South Carolina up for another ass whooping. I'm, I'm just saying, because of the fact that 2019 happened. Hell, Georgia Tech, we got beat in 2016. Kirby Smart, I guarantee you, still brings it up. Every time we play Georgia Tech, I wouldn't be surprised.
3: Yeah. Only when only when Paul Johnson was there, and that was because he didn't like Paul. Again, <laughs> um, hated Paul. Not, not hated Paul the person, but hated Paul the fact the that coach. he made us work and learn the triple option. Uh, all year just to
1: play them hated Paul a triple option you I mean you don't see that anymore but I mean I'll tell you right now any level it's it's effective if you have the right personnel I'll be I'll listen I was a triple I was a triple option guy in high school I promise you
2: if you got the right personnel
1: it can get deadly
2: but yeah I would call it triple trash no triple triple option team will ever ever in the history of football win the national championship
3: triple we yeah, triple have worse athletes than you we're gonna hope
2: we can confuse you and we're gonna cut you we're just gonna cut the crap well, out. Cut blocks or something else so
1: yeah i remember that's that's an, i think that's the only reason keeping the uh the rivalry alive was the fact that we purely hated them for cutting our guys yeah it's never fun never triple trash hashtag uh dgd path dropping it in the chat uh listen i want to take a shout out real fast our second uh sponsor uh, that is Alumni Hall. Folks, just letting you know, check out Alumni Hall. They're 10 minutes from Sanford Stadium, right? 10, uh, 10 minutes from Sanford Stadium, Oconee Conne- or 1791 Oconee Connector, number th- uh, 535. Follow them on social media, right? Follow them on social media at Alumni Hall UGA. And also now through uh, June 18th, now through June 18th, You can use father. They have a father's day. sale going on and it's 20% off. And the code is DGD dad 23. Use that at checkout in store or online now through June 18th and you can get 20% off your order. So check them out, follow them. Listen, I've got some slides coming. I needed some new shoes. Uh, Daddy needed some shoes and listen, this right here came from alumni hall as well. So, Great stuff. All licensed, by the way. Check them out. Alumni Hall, thanks for supporting the show.
3: Now. I'm going to interject uh-oh. after the ad. This is for everybody that's listening that, you know, I know we don't get into non-football related things often. But I just got a quick list of things that I want to say. Oh. Since the last time we met, baseball coach has been canned at the University of Georgia. Yep. Scott Strickland, out of here. The search for his replacement has begun. Facility upgrades have also begun in Athens for the baseball field in two parts. They'll have half of it done um, by Christmas, and then they'll take a break for the season, and then they'll break ground again and finish it up after next baseball season. So, new baseball coach will will be coming. I personally think great time. Um, you know, l- love Coach Strickland, met him a ton of times, you know, great guy. Um, reminds you a lot of the Mark Rick situation. Great guy, just you know, didn't have the results. Um, you know, had some close misses, and at some point, a school like this, you just can't have those close misses. Um, I think it was the perfect time because basically, we we all know that in two years, in two baseball seasons, you'll add Texas and Oklahoma. I just don't think you could give him one extra year and then hire a coach and say, "Hey, coach, welcome to SEC." Oh, yeah. You also have to deal with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas this year. You needed to give that new coach one year to integrate his system, to learn the guys, to learn. Because you're most likely going to be really bad next year. And that's no hate on anybody on our team, anybody. Odds are you're trending this way. I'd rather hit bottom with a new coach in year one than hit bottom with a coach in year 11 and think a new coach is
1: going to be able to Change that curve a little bit. I want to add this too. I'm switching away from. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm switching away from baseball, and I'm moving over to tennis. Georgia has a national champion in tennis. Ethan Quinn, shout out singles national champion. That's another piece of news. Toby, back to you. First one since first one since 2002
3: for the Georgia Bulldogs. Ooh. that's fantastic. Absolutely. And last two more pieces of news. I have your athletic director. Got a pay raise and an extension. Much going needed. To like much, 20, needed 20, much needed. So, you know, he's done a good job. He's replaced some coaches with some with some good guys. He's had some tough, some tough names to to um replace. I mean, replaced a swim coach and basically decided at that point to break it up to have a female and um male's swim coach, which we'd never had here before. Um, you know, having replaced the women's tennis coach and has already done that. Um, you know obviously has replaced the basketball coach twice. Hopefully the second time has been the charm and now about to do the baseball coach and um, and the softball coach, man. Whew.
1: But also he's – the thing about it too, though, and this is why I feel like he – this is much deserved. He's also spearheaded a lot of program facility upgrades <clears throat> that one needed to be done to be able to compete with the likes of the other programs within the conference and nationally for that matter. Right. When you look at the indoor facility for tennis now, you once that's done, Georgia can host NCAA tournaments there. Right. That's something that that, that's important. Right. Because, well, one, it's 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 driving, you know, just a bunch of different factors to help bring in revenue. Right. Like you spend the money, but the return on investment could benefit because of the fact, listen, Georgia's got a good tennis team, folks. They really do. If you didn't follow them this season.
3: Men's just finished with the number one recruiting class in the country. Yeah.
1: like, Listen, I know this is mainly a Georgia football podcast and and show, but I'm just letting you know that there are some big things popping off in in Georgia tennis and other sports around the university, and I feel like some of these things need to be addressed. Listen, we, we all support the University of Georgia for itself, right? You know, look at Mike White, man. Mike White in year one turned Tom Crane's tenure around at what felt like in a quick, fast, and in a hurry. Well,
3: i look at it this way. If you support Georgia football, you support Georgia athletics because Georgia football and the money Georgia football makes allows for that overhead to be redispersed to other teams and allows them to have successful seasons. Yes. Yeah. So the tennis team is appreciative when the football team is doing well. But the football team is also appreciative when the tennis team is doing well. They, they they coexist with each other in a very good way. I mean, it's not just one or the other. So, yeah.
2: and it makes yeah. it makes the AD look good. I mean, he's you know making great hires and making great decisions. Um, but but just having Kirby, you know, just kind of be that leader, be that 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 focal point, is great. And just like you said, Kobe, just that money being dispersed. You know, it's funny you know when when you would look at you know when i was there and you'd look at these other teams you know some of them would have to take buses and go on like 8 hour bus trips um you know because we just weren't bringing in the revenue from a football standpoint and now you know those those you know golf team or the volleyball team or different now they can play take planes and and stuff like that which again from a psychological standpoint helps you to play better and it helps you recruiting too it
1: yeah, helps with recruiting. recruiting exactly always be recruiting doesn't matter the sport
3: Well, that's like when my wife was here playing soccer under the old soccer coach, she'd be like, yep, going to get on the bus today on a, you know, Thursday at 11 o'clock for my Saturday game or whatever. And then they drive to Missouri. And then when the game was over, they hop on the bus and drive back. New new soccer coach comes in. Man's like, "Uh uh-uh. We're taking the plane. We're taking the plane to Missouri, and then we're taking the plane back. Because we have the plane and we have the money, and we're not going to roll over and just take a
1: bus anymore. Absolutely. I, I think now is the best time <clears throat> to kind of revert, if you will, back to <sighs> great debate, folks. Great debate. <clears throat> Obviously, spring meetings, SEC spring meetings of Destin this week. Huge debate on whether the conference should go to eight or nine game model, right? Once Texas and Oklahoma joins the conference in 24 which poses the question and for all three of us give our takes and thoughts on this eight or nine game model, which is the way Juan, I'll let you go first.
2: I'm going nine. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in a nine game model. Listen, you now have the premier, the premier league in the entire college football world. And you're also bringing in a Texas and a Oklahoma people want to see nine games. I'm sorry. Um, and, you know, you're always going to have your cupcake games like your ball state and, and all of that stuff like that. But especially for those season ticket holders, for for those people, and I'm a diehard college football fan, I want to see nine SEC games. The best year for me was that 2020 season, even though it wasn't great for Georgia, but it was all SEC playing all SEC all freaking year, that was some great football. So, and and, and hats off. I, mean, I know we're, we're obviously against Alabama, but hats off to Alabama for playing all those SEC games and then winning a national championship. We, You're a dog. I've You're got an an some words for that later, dog. by the way.
1: When it comes to my turn, one, I've got some words there. But nonetheless, one is one. Daniels is a nine-game fan. Kobe, I'm gonna let you take it over this time.
3: I I think I'm with Juan on. I'm a fan of us being nine games, um, nine-game SEC schedule. You know, Big 12 has done it for a long time when they kind of um, kind of merged together, kind of like we're about to do where there's no, like, subconference. Uh, but as far as the reality of this meeting from a business side of things, the ADs, the head coaches, the uncertainty, I think that going forward they're going to agree on an eight-game schedule To stay for now. I think the big thing, like we kind of talked about Robert, is there's just a lot of unknowns and changes happening at the same time. And the ADs and the head coaches are gonna want to try to control what they can control during that big change. It's like anybody. Nobody likes big changes in life. Nobody likes, you know, unexpected curveballs thrown their way. You're you're going, you're adding to really, you know competitive teams like we've talked about one. I mean two of the winningest programs in in history. You're adding to the SEC. You're about to expand the playoffs not from four to six, not from four to eight, from four to twelve. And so all of a sudden there is this question of well, how is that 12-team playoff going to look that first year? Is it going to be littered with SEC teams like we think it is? Or is nine and three LSU Not going to get in over ten and two Penn State like last year. You know, if Penn State only loses to Ohio State and Michigan, are they going to be over on in over a um, LSU who may be nine and three or maybe what they finish ten and three because of the loss in the SEC championship? Yeah, so even better that way. Are they in over ten and three SEC champion loss LSU? I think that after, like we were talking about, three or four years, kind of see what the college football playoff committee is valuing. I think you could see them changing to a nine game to make the schedule harder. But for now, the committee has has really dug its heels in, and they want to see zeros in the loss column. They want to see zeros and ones in the loss column. And until they're willing to put in a two-loss team, why would I want to play the gauntlet when I make it get in Alabama, Georgia, LSU, maybe sneak somebody in as the 12 seed, I mean, it, I just guess it, it, the more 11-1, and 12-0 and teams I can create, the more I'm going to dominate the playoffs, the more chance I have to win the national championship. And at the end of the day, like we, we were talking about, it, it's kind of turning into that baseball, basketball feel. Is it more important to win the SEC? Or is it more important to win the national championship? Used to, that went hand-in-hand. Hand. The more the playoff expands, it, it's not so, so much. It's definitely – Alabama definitely. did it. Alabama did it in 2017. Georgia did it in 2021. I mean, it just doesn't – it's not synonymous like it once was. So, Because, I mean,
1: it, be you look at it within, with the 14 playoff, Georgia got screwed that one year, right? We, we, lose, we lose to Bama in 2018 right, in the SEC Championship game to then get set at the fifth seat. But now you look at it, right, like you said, I think also <clears throat> the committee has limited the amount of schools per conference to be in there. If I'm not mistaken, I felt like I've heard that somewhere so that you won't have the over like the over capacity right, filled with SCC teams. Because, listen, it will happen that way, folks. It will. But I think Greg Sankey said it pretty bluntly, and I thought it was really good take on this. When, when he was asked about this on, on Feinbaum yesterday or the day before, his words were, well, if I recall, the last game of the season ended 65-7. to seven. So we're, we're the elite conference when it comes to high-quality football. So whether we go to eight or nine, it won't matter. We're still going to have some elite quality football. While that matters, I, I think also this this eight-nine model, I think you, you might see nine eventually. I just have this feeling it stays at eight. And the reason why I say that is because I, I think the SEC wants to see the criteria for which the playoff seeds are set, because they talk about they talk about strength of schedule, but they want to make sure they're not calling up. They want to make sure that right they they're being truthful to that, because lo and behold, the first time that it comes where a three loss team, that, say for instance LSU, right LSU, they lose to Florida State, right this last season but then they lose you know they lose the SEC championship game to get their third loss but you have a two loss say Pac 12 team right that we know LSU could beat and and the, and say the country knows it too but the strength of schedule could, and and the loss columns could dictate who gets in and who doesn't you're you're going to have some people in the southeast that's more so than anything get pretty pissed off
2: yeah, well, I mean, it, if you really look at it, I mean, it's really not that hard. Um, you know, you sit there and you look at the Pac-12, for instance. The Pac-12, they play nine games, and then they have their their, their three non-conference games. Two of them are pretty good, decent games. The other one is going to be a cupcake. So just like, you know, you look at Utah. They play Florida. They lost to, they lost to Florida, um, but, but they do. So, like, even last year, you look at Stanford. You know, they have Notre Dame every year. That's going to be one of their, you know, good ones. And then they had BYU. And then, of course, they had a, they had a cupcake. So I think if Georgia does that, or, or sorry, if the SEC does that, you can have, you know, your your nine-game schedule. You can have two decent played games and then one cupcake. And, and that will erase any strength of schedule issues. So they can't look at, at Georgia and say, oh, well, you only played – you know, you played three cupcakes. No, we played two decent teams in a cupcake, just like everybody else did. Um, that way, the the smaller schools are still going to be able to get their cut. You know, and they're going to get their money by playing these the, these bigger schools. And so, I just think that that's a, a better way to do it. Although, like you, like like Kobe said, until they can work out the kinks, until they can understand everything that's going on, they may start off with that eight that eight game model.
3: And the and I think the hardest thing that the college football playoff committee handcuffed everybody with, and I thought I remembered this, so I actually just Googled it on my phone to look at it again. The top four seeds will not be the four teams with the best records. The top four seeds will be the highest-ranked conference champion after um, championship week. So last year, it would have read this. Georgia at one, Michigan at two. Clemson at three, because they won the ACC championship, even though they had multiple losses. What was their, they rank, would have what was their ranking overall? I don't know. I, I'm just looking uh, at that I, I, I got you.
1: Okay.
3: Utah at four because they won the pack. And then TCU would have, because they lost, would have been out. They'd have been at five. They'd have played Tulane. Ohio State because would have played Penn State. Alabama would have played USC. And Tennessee would have played Kansas State. Now, don't get me wrong. Those would have been some phenomenal games, 5 through 12 there. But it it begs the question, you know, Utah and Clemson would have had more losses than TCU, Ohio State. I think Utah had more losses than USC and Penn State, even though Utah beat USC, I guess, head-to-head. Tennessee, there, to me there's a lot of those question marks of, well, just because Utah's – Ten and three and Pac-12 champ. Do they really deserve the buy over? You know, someone someone who's eleven and one in SEC second place. Yep. The only thing you that know, would
2: have helped. The only thing that would have helped. And and you got to look at this as a as a committee. Utah was hot at the end of the season. And and so you know you 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 know what are the factors? What are the mitigating factors? What are you gonna What are you gonna add? um in there, but I do think that if you take a a Utah and you played them against an Alabama, I think Utah gets dragged. I really, I really, really do. Now if you take a USC that had a healthy Caleb Williams, that may be in a different story. I just think the dynamics and I mean there's just so many, so many factors that are involved in it. But I, I agree with you, Kobe, why would you let a 10 and three Utah team, you know, uh, you know over somebody else that's like, like an Ohio State or somebody you know.
3: well, well you can play hypotheticals. Say it's a normal year and like this year and we dog walk our schedule in the east and Alabama dog walks their schedule in the west and we're both rolling in worst case scenario 11 and one legitimately possibly 12 and0. And one of the two giants goes down one versus two. You're telling me that Utah at ten and three deserves a buy the next week over a 12 and one Georgia or Alabama? No. I, I just don't believe so at some point. It doesn't make logical sense, right. I guess, going forward. But I
2: guess what their thoughts are is it really doesn't matter because it'll it'll come out in the wash. You know, so even if even if a Utah at a ten and three gets a buy they're going to get dog walked, you know, if they run into an Alabama or a Georgia or, or whatever it is, they're going to get crushed and that it'll end up being most likely an Alabama, Georgia um, thing again. So, you know, sometimes it, 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 it really doesn't even matter because at the end of the day, you're going to get crushed. I, I do think though, when you start to look at, <clears throat> when you start to look at the
1: the overall body of work, right? Like say, say Georgia it plays and we, if something happens and we lose, right. But we make it to the SEC championship. And say we lose the SEC championship game, right? So you would have played 13 games. Then you don't get the bye week. You have to basically you know what I mean? Like extra and what happens with injuries too, because the more games you play, the less time off you do have to worry about injuries and depth. Not saying George is in a bad spot by any means, right? But nonetheless, but then you give a team that you know, like like you know, like y'all said, like a, say a three loss team wins like wins the pack, or or hell, the Big Ten. Think about this: What happens hypothetically if Purdue, if Purdue beat Michigan last year? Purdue was a four-loss team, four-loss team before the SEC or before the PAC, uh, Big Ten championship, right? Because they're doing the East versus West. What happens if Purdue were to beat Michigan hypothetically, and that would have put them as a conference champion in the uh, in the you know in that right there? They would still make a playoff. For Purdue would get murdered in week one. Like, murdered by whoever. It don't matter. But you're you're wasting a spot. There's
3: always going to be that debate. And that's why I'm saying, you know, year, year one through three, year one through four of the new playoff is just not the time to be changing our schedule to make it harder on us when obviously the committee is going to try to make it harder on numerous SEC teams getting in because of these auto bids. You know, year three or four, if they start going, hey, listen, we're going to take out some of these auto bids. We're going to take the best 12 teams, which is what the playoff has always been about since that's how they marketed it at first. We're going to take the 12 best teams. Not the 12 teams with the best record, not the 12 teams that maybe won their conference, the 12 best teams in college football. Yeah. And we're going to let them play against them. Well, Well,
2: that's the, that's the problem. I mean, we're uh, we're a victim of our own success. And if if you think about it, because we are SEC people, everyone hates the SEC. If you're not in it, the I wouldn't be surprised if the committee hated the SEC. You know, look at your look at your analysts. Look at your Kirk Herb He's a Big Ten guy. Desmond Howard is a is a, is a Big Ten guy. And all of these people, they want to, like, like you know, Kobe said, they want to make it as hard on the SEC as they possibly can to get these extra teams in. And they want to give somebody else a chance. Think about how many people before that field goal was missed were cheering that Georgia got beat. I can bet you it was probably just the state of Georgia that was the only ones that cared everybody else wanted so desperately for us to have our downfall so that the sec and not necessarily georgia because they hate georgia they just hate the sec and 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 so to your point kobe they are they're going to try to make it they're going to try to make it tough so they won't they don't want to do the 12 best teams because honestly out of the 16 teams the 12 best teams are probably going to be in the sec you know what i'm saying of, of the 16 sec teams 12 of them are going to probably go and beat anybody in, in the nation so, you know, that, that's just, uh, you know, again, being a victim of our own success.
1: Would there ever be a situation, hypothetically speaking here? Doubt it. But what if, what if there was a situation where one of the two like, highest, uh, you know, two of the best teams in the SEC, one opted out of the comp- – like I said, I don't know if it ever happens, but what if it does? Where, like, they wanna, they want to opt out to preserve themselves for the playoffs because it might not happen that way. But tell me this. If, say, Georgia or, say, Alabama, right, knows good and damn well that they've got a spot in the playoffs, regardless if they win or lose the SEC championship, they rest their guys in the conference championship knowing that it doesn't matter. Will that happen? And if so, that, that could water down the, the whole seeding shit anyway.
2: No, there's no way. You're, you're too competitive as a college athlete, as a college coach. You know, you're not preserving yourself because of money. And that's the biggest thing that most of these guys will do that. They'll preserve themselves for money. They're, you know, resting because they're, you know, and they're getting paid, you know, for, you know, for playoff wins and stuff like that. I, I just don't see that happening. I wouldn't do it as a, as a player. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see that.
3: I, mean, I was just, my thought was I thought. Like we talked about before the show started, I do see the issue like Kirby saying where, you can be at a, a very distinct disadvantage if you're LSU this year. And, I mean, I think it was the perfect year, basically, was what he was saying to, to show you the hypothetical. Is your LSU, you're 10-2. and two. You've beaten Alabama. You've done everything you've had to do to be the second-best team in the SEC by winning the West. You come in and you play Georgia, and I think LSU's at, like, five. Or six. I think they were. I, fifth. I think they about. were fifth. Yeah. So they come in, they play Georgia, they lose fifty to thirty. They fall, and all of a sudden, they have the fourth best record in the SEC after that one loss. That's where it's going to be important, like Kirby saying going forward. Did LSU just hurt their chances to make the playoffs by playing in the SEC Championship? Now, obviously, if they win, it's a it's high risk, high reward. Obviously, if you win, you're probably the three seed. You get a buy, woohoo, great job. But you lose, all of a sudden, Alabama's ten and two, Tennessee's ten and two, and all of a sudden you're ten and three with extra loss. You know that that's where Kirby has those questions right now. He said it at um, at the meetings. You know who who is deciding what happens to that LSU, and it'll be interesting to see, like he said, what does happen? Do they get start getting jumped? Do they get punished for playing? A 13th game, and then they have to turn around and play less than two weeks later in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. So I well, think that was the same thing, thing
2: that happened at TCU last year. They got punished for going to their championship game. Fortunately, they did not lose, you know, get knocked out of the top four. But there was a lot of people saying that they did not deserve to be in that top four. They just didn't. And then of course, now when they go to play in the national championship, you could clearly see they had no business being in that national championship. They had no business being in the, in the, in the top four.
1: I think it'll be interesting to see, because if you wanted to switch the hypotheticals around, like Kobe talked about LSU, right. If if say there was no divisions, it would have been, it would have been Georgia, Tennessee rematch, right. With two lost, two lost Tennessee team. If, if, you know, the high risk, high reward comes into play, you know, you know, at that point, right. It's the same concept, right. So anyone that tried to counterbalance that, you have to understand that as well. Like, you know, the highest the highest ranked uh, – or the highest – or the best record, I should say, excuse me, are, are going to play for the conference championship. But, again, you know, it, for instance, like with LSU, they had an out-of-conference loss, but only one conference loss, right, with the loss to Tennessee. Now, albeit it was a blowout in in their stadium, um, you know, but then you look at it the same situation where you take another – I mean, let's I don't care if it's 50 to 30 or not, that was still a, a ass-whipping, right? So – yeah, you know, again, it's going to ding you, right? It, even though Georgia showed the country why they were the best team all year, it, it still hurt them significantly because LSU took a tumble after that. And if, if Tennessee would have gotten dominated, in the, in, if, if it would have been 50-30, right, say it would have been 50-30 Georgia over Tennessee, same shit would have applied, right? So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with Kobe a little bit in the sense that what is it going to look like for teams that are in the SEC championship moving forward if we if we know that the conference championship loser can get impacted in a in a substantial way right like what what is it going to look like because thinking economically human nature is to find ways to counterbalance rules and things that are set in place that's just what we do that's our human nature right the programs go- the programs are going to figure out ways to to optimize it for their benefit so, but what is that going to look like?
3: Well, there, there's just going to be, again, you know, we could sit here and talk, talk hypotheticals. The biggest cold hard fact I know right now that's going to be tough to change, and not tough in the sense of they can't change it, but just tough on student athletes, is basically the whole point of um, the SEC championship being played when it was played is for most SEC schools, almost all SEC schools, finals would begin the following week. So SEC demands that everyone be off of all football-related activities for those, you know, seven to ten days of finals before they can get back. If all of a sudden now you're playing that next weekend, you're going to have to change up, you know, are you going to have these guys preparing for the biggest game of the year
1: Juan's laughing. What's up, Juan?
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There is a Utah Tech that killed me. That was the. (laughs) Oh my god! I'm sorry, Kobe. Oh no!
1: Oh no! Oh my bad! Oh wow! uh adonis didn't even have to make it happen today folks yeah that's, yeah the, the make the make one laugh again campaign is back in full effect Golly. yeah yeah <laughs> ktg 13 tv
3: y'all are failing to remember that lsu lost a three and 9 AM. that's why they tumbled i
1: don't think so they lost a no lsu did lose the last the last regular season game that yep. they got yep. beat by that's, A&M. Right.
2: that's right they were yeah okay. yeah yeah they yeah that was shocking
1: because I mean, we we had knew at that point, like once they beat Bama, we were playing LSU. But they, I, I felt like that was the trap game, and it caught them. Like right? so, KTG, thanks for fact checking us in real time.
3: Um, Who won the LSU Florida State game at the beginning of your last year? Florida State
1: in overtime. So they were
3: they were nine and three when we played them. So we
1: we were under the assumption all all along. Yeah, Man, I forgot about. I, forgot, I thought they were 10 and two I, for some I, reason. For some yeah. reason, I thought so too. I, I I was thinking two conference losses. Maybe that's why, but. But yeah, no, that's you're
3: right. So you're right. Then we would have played Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. I was thinking you were wrong about playing Tennessee because I thought that LSU only had the one. No, Tennessee had the head to head
1: over both them and Bama. They played Tennessee. They played. They played Bama and LSU and beat them both. Good point. Yeah. So JWG is not a fan of uh, our comments. By the way, Juan, it's all right. Yeah, Yeah. it'll be should be fine we we'll get over Yeah. Either that or get out of Utah. Gonna, you know, what
2: are you going to do? Watch another podcast? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. You're stuck. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. But, yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, I, I think whether it's eight or nine conference games, right, like you, you're going to have the fans' perspective, but then you're going to have the logical perspective as well. And let's be honest, the folks making the money and writing the checks want to see the SEC be competitive put more teams in the playoff because that means more revenue split by the way as well. Also but also the people writing the checks,
3: the big checks, don't want to see the TV numbers like we saw this past year, where Georgia's 65 to seven beatdown of TCU It was one of the least watched national championship games Mm -hmm. in 20 years. I can't. I mean, people that write the big checks don't like seeing that. Well, you you have to look at that
1: point as Georgia just played who we got put against, right? Like,
3: well, I'm not saying, I'm saying, but that's a key reason why some of those people are going to say, we don't need three or four SEC teams in here. We really need a, a Big 12 team to win the national championship. We've had. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. You know, even Auburn, Auburn sprinkled yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah, we we need Ohio State to win it again. We need Florida State. Get it, try to, win to get it. An Oregon in there. We need we need someone to win it again that isn't the SEC to make everybody snap their head back and go, okay, you know what's going on? Who's going to win this thing? And not oh, it's the postseason. Like they got to play Alabama. They got to play Georgia. They're probably going to lose.
1: Well, also keep in mind, right? Like we talk about the top four getting the buy, right? Also keep in mind that the SEC championship loser would get a home game, right? So it's there's some benefit if you lo- if you were to take that loss, even though you don't really want the loss, right? But at the same time, depending on the loss, you could also lose your chance to host the home game. So you could go from, you know, potentially winning that and and doing that right as a winner to losing the conference championship and losing the home game. And being all
3: five, if you went from the five to the nine, you would go from hosting at LSU to at wherever you would literally could have been winner, win, and get a buy, not play the game and be at five and host oh, yeah. or lose, Tennessee, Tennessee and Alabama five, were the perfect
1: benefactors that. for that,
3: yeah. Because, like, that's Kirby's, I think that's Kirby's big problem. I hope we're never a five seed again, but if we are.
1: Should a little get a little Georgia people. game in Athens, oh, yeah. mid December. That better be a goddamn night game. I'm all I'm gonna say.
3: Oh, they all will. I feel like yeah, they all
2: will. Yeah, they would have to be.
1: Well, you'd have to be careful with that though. Depending on how the TV format, because we all we all understand that they're gonna hit. Like, you know, is it gonna be over multiple days, or is it gonna be? Yeah, like, I think so. I well, think it's think, over like a Thursday, Friday. Well, think about the New Year's Six Bowl, right? Think about the New Year's Six. There's reason, that's the reason why I'm saying that. Because some of those New Year's Six Bowls are hit during the day, at primetime 330 slots potentially, right? Like, is that going to be – Some of them
3: are in the middle of the damn night. We played that Sugar Bowl against Baylor. I don't think we kicked off till like 9.05 Eastern.
1: Because it was, it, was it was in Dallas. Ooh. It was in Dallas. That's why. No. Wait, Man. where the fuck was it? It was in New Orleans where the Super Bowl's oh, always my bad. I was thinking I was thinking another game, my bad. Another bowl game. But Sorry. I mean it was it was like an eight o'clock, eight oh five kick
3: central. Boy, we didn't get out of the superdome till like one o'clock in the morning.
1: So I mean, yeah, I've been fact checked too many times. I think it's it's time for me to cut my losses, folks. Sorry, right, that was an easy one though. Sugar bowl. I, dude, it's I've not, I don't even my brain is all over the place. I apologize. All right, fellas. Well, I
3: got tea time, so oh. I've enjoyed being back with Juan in the gang. Yes, Let's get oh, did, out you, of here. did
1: you say Robin the gang is back? What? I
3: said Juan in the gang. <laughs> My bad.
2: My bad. Juan, Lewis, and Clark. That just cracks me up. <laughs> all
1: right, folks. That's all we've got for today's show. Remember, check out apotheos Boom. Check out Alumni Hall. Boom. If you have Boom. any questions, DGD Podcast. Ask one. Yep, ask one. DGDpodcast.com. <laughs> His phone number is. is the <laughs> all
2: right,
1: folks, that's all we've got for today's show. We'll catch y'all next episode. Go, dogs.
2: Go, dogs. Go, dogs.